contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Jury Room Aftermath. On this episode, we're visiting Angel's Landing, the cult. And on this episode, I have a guest who I've known for about a year now, now that I'm at my year anniversary. Uh, We have Bernadette from the Murderific Podcast. Bernadette, why don't you say hi to everybody, introduce yourself and where they can find your podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Bernadette. As Kevin said, I'm the host of Murderific True Crime Podcast, which you can find on any major podcast platform. I do a lot of cases from Maine, New England. Um, I cover domestic abuse cases, familicides, and cases from all over the world. Is there anything you're working on that you're excited about? Are you like, do you post episodes regularly or is it like a season thing? Uh, my episodes are usually every two weeks, and I'm actually coming out with a new podcast next year that I'm working on right now. And the cases are going to be more ones that fall under the radar, uh, more Indigenous women, uh, BIPOC cases, um, and things like that. So that will be in the future. Right. Now that's super exciting for you. Is it, do you have a timeline yet? Is it going to be like beginning of the year, middle of the year type of thing? It's probably going to be in the beginning of the year and it's more of like a passion project. So I'll keep murder if it going, but I will release episodes on the new podcast. I don't want to say the name, but um, only when they're ready. So it's, it's going to be more of a passion project for sure. Right on. And so what's one of the craziest cases that you've covered so far on Murderific, in your opinion? Um, I think for me, I wouldn't say crazy, but I find the mass murder cases very interesting. Like Charles Whitman or the Virginia Tech cases like that. I find those cases very interesting. What was the guy's name from Santa Cruz who went on the that rampage? The, oh, I the incel? Yeah, that guy. I can't think of his name. I know. That guy, that's an intro. That's I've heard that one a few times, and I'm like, man, that guy, that whole story was crazy. And the Virginia Tech one is crazy too. Um, it it's a different psychology to think how somebody can go out of their way and kill that many people, you know? Yeah, it was Elliot Roger. Elliot Rogers, there you go. And so many um, other people follow him. They they're in they're into what he did and and they want to follow what he did. Right. It's like that they they hold him on a pedestal almost and it's like that's not probably not the person you want to hold up there. And what's funny about him, not that there's anything funny, but 
is that he was so mad that women didn't like him when really his personality was garbage. He right. was a shitty person and that's why women didn't like him. <laughs> right. And that that's the crazy part is, is that even like, like he wasn't a bad looking person. Right. You know what I mean? He, he, he had decent features and he was, you know, attractive in the sense that he wasn't like ugly. Um, but yeah, money. it was his, and he was had, and he had money. It was his personality. But the, the problem is, is that he always made excuses for why women didn't like him instead of looking inwards. It was always their fault. And that's the part that I don't understand. Yeah. He felt entitled. Right. And a it's weird that a lot of men, not, it seems like a lot of men obviously identify with him. Right. And that's the part that, you know, I didn't, I've said it many times, but I still can't. And I just see stories all the time of women having to deal with men like that to where they feel entitled to something like it's like they're, they're your possession. You know what I mean? And right. it's like, what, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like they're a human, just like we are, they have the right, they, they, they're equal to, if not better, like there should be no reason why a whole section of the population lives in the constant fear that they do. Right. So, but that's a whole nother tangent topic conversation that we could oh, get yeah. on for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. So had you ever heard of angels landing before, uh, before coming on for this one? Honestly, no, not at all. You know what? I hadn't either. I picked it, kind of picked it out of a hat and I started doing, you know, my thing. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is interesting. So Lou Castro is quite a character. He is garbage, trash human being that ever was. I don't, cults are one of those things that it, it's fascinating, not in the sense that it's in a good way, but it's like how, I don't, I never understood how some one person is able to manipulate so many people to following them so blindly. That's what I don't understand. Right. And it's unlike other cult stories because he didn't have like, this is from the Bible and you guys need to follow this. It wasn't like so religious orientated. It was just right. people followed his personality. I also think there were other things. I think they may have enjoyed the lifestyle that he was offering them. Right. And that unfortunately does attract a lot of people. It's that fame and that, or not fame, but the wealth, you know, of being able to, have the cars and the nice house and, you know, do whatever you want kind of uh, mentality, right? Right. It wasn't like a commune where everyone was farming. It was a commune where they had nice cars and nice houses and parties and things like that. And that probably was hard to walk away from, especially because they weren't working and he was basically supporting them with his crimes. Right. And that part, that's the part where it, it, it throws me off is because he was able to convince them. Oh, just, I can predict when you're going to die. He takes out a life insurance policy on them. And then, you know, magically they just start dying. You know, and magically they just start dying. And it's like, how, how do you guys not see that coming? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he would convince people to commit suicide for the good of the rest of everybody else it's just it's a it's very shocking that you would give your life 
to someone who claims to be an angel. Right. And, and that's like driving your car head on into a, a dump truck. Like that is, that's one thing. If it like, how could you just drive your car? Like you have now affected somebody else somebody else's life for the rest of their life now they live with that trauma of shit i killed somebody and like that's devastating you know what i mean right they must have been so brainwashed because if you're killing yourself for the greater good that's that's one thing i can sort of understand but to kill yourself just to keep up the lifestyle that they were accustomed to doesn't really make sense to me Right, because they're getting millions of dollars, you know, basically a million dollars every time somebody kills themselves. It's like, you're not going to get to enjoy that. Now everybody else does. There must have been something charismatic about him. I mean, there had to have been, right? I I don't see it, but that's just me. They're the people that joined the commune. They, To me, when someone joins a cult, they're lacking in some area because they're getting something that they're not getting. They're getting it from the cult leader. They're getting it from the community of people. And I wonder if that's maybe a, uh, well, I mean, though, yes. And I can see that because, but it's crazy though, because usually people cut off their families, their friends, their kids, like, you know, you know, unfortunately these women who joined this cult, brought their kids which then just brought more victims um but usually it's one of those things where they just cut everybody off and it's like you already have you know so much more over here what what are you really lacking you know and that's the part that that i i don't understand i it's just it's fascinating to see people just blindly follow them and it's like there's no reason for it Right. And also their children were being molested. How did they not notice that or not see that? They did, though. I mean, he he's telling them, you know, that, oh, I need these girls to sleep in my bed because, you know, whatever X, Y, Z. And it's like, wait a second. Like, you're cool with that. How and how is that even like possible? Like, I'm not I, I don't have kids and, and I don't plan on having kids. There's no fucking way I'm letting my kids sleep in the bed with some grown ass man. Like that's just not going to happen ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. How they believed the things he said. I don't know. And the abuse that Sarah and Emily had to go through when I read the court transcripts, I was like, oh my God, like hundreds of times they were raped. Hundred. Right. Dead years after yeah. years. Like, just the the trauma and and the like the mindset that they have had slash have because now when you grow up in something like that it's ingrained in you like it's a part of who you are and the older you get you know it's hard to fight against yourself to say oh this is acceptable behavior when in reality it's not yeah in most cults you part of being in a cult, and I say this from personal experience, I grew up as a Jehovah Witness. I'm not in it anymore. I was disfellowshipped fairly early, luckily. But part of being in a cult, they cut you off from any other um, any other thoughts or um, even learning about different cultures or different ideas. Like we weren't allowed to watch rated R movies. We weren't allowed to be with people who weren't in the religion. 
things like that. So you're cut off from other ways of thinking. So you're so ingrained in what they're telling. So what was your experience? Like, did, did they try to alienate you guys as a family or was it individualistic? No, we were all, um, we, we all thought of each other as a family. That's what they wanted. Um, but like I said, you weren't allowed to have other friends outside of the religion. And uh, you weren't allowed to even read things online about other religions. You were not allowed to learn about other religions. Wow, that's crazy. And you and I were talking about it. And, and my mom had almost joined the Jehovah Witness when I was a kid. I was probably maybe five to seven years old, I think, if I could remember right. And, and, but she couldn't give up her smoking. So she, it was kind of one of those things that that was the reason I kept us away from it. But it was very much, you know, a, they kind of wanted to cre create a robot that just kind of followed, you know what I mean? What, what they wanted you to do and not what you wanted to do. Right. It's funny. My sister was actually disfellowshipped for smoking <laughs> when she was like 19. Yeah. So, and that's, but that happens. So they don't want individuals. They just, unfortunately, in a blanket term, they just want a sheep. You know what I mean? They just want people to follow, give them their money and, and call it, call it a day, you know? Yeah. I, one thing that does come along with cults is obviously the sexual abuse because um, I think last year or the year before, Jehovah Witnesses had to pay a massive uh, lawsuit, millions and millions of dollars for covering up sexual abuse. So in the Jehovah Witness religion, if you're sexually abused, there has to be two witnesses, which doesn't happen in sexual abuse. And if there wasn't two witnesses, they would say, well, that person, maybe they didn't do it. And then they would be allowed to stay in the religion. So there were literally elders, people up in the congregation who were child molesters. And, and um, yeah, and if you're a Jehovah Witness, and you're not allowed to read the news or look at the news, you don't even know that your organization is being sued for child abuse. And the same thing with Angels Landing, it just seems like cults and molesting children go hand in hand for some reason. Okay, so for a second, I want to go back. How the hell can you say that there has to be two witnesses present in order f like for this to be ha like for this to happen? Like that doesn't like sexual abuse and, and molestation happens in a very dark, secretive place to where there's not going to be a witness or they right. don't want a witness because then they're going to be outed, you know? So that, that's crazy. I didn't, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. And so that person would be in the religion still, and they basically just had to say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And that would be it. And then they would go on to molest more and more people. Um, yeah. It's very shocking. The stuff that I saw going on in that religion. That is, that's insane. And that's sad that I, I don't understand that part of it either is because it's religion. You're taught as a kid, you know, religion is safe. It's kind of like police officers and firemen and, and so on and so forth, where these, these places are supposed to be safe places, no matter what. And sometimes they end up being some of the worst places that exist on the planet, you know? 
definitely. They would also, in the Jehovah Witness religion, they would um, ask politely that you don't go to the police with allegations, that it would be handled in the congregation. That's how they did it. So it just allowed the abuse to continue. Right. And that's a very common trait within a religious organizations like the Jehovah Witness or slash cults is they don't want outsiders. They want it dealt with internally and internal usually doesn't, doesn't result in anything happening to the abuser. And then it leaves the abusive victims feeling like it, they don't matter. And so it just creates this vicious cycle of just nasty bullshit. Yeah. And also when you, you grow up as a Jehovah witness or in a lot of organized religions, I feel like there's that general rule where women are subservient to men and that sets up everything where women are allowed to be abused and can't do anything about it. It just like sets up a pattern. To me, religion does not feel safe and is not safe for a lot of women. I know people will disagree with that, but I just think it sets up a system where women can be abused. And that's the unfortunate part that I think the system in general has set up, though. It's not necessarily just religion, but just society in general from a very for a very long time has set it up to where, you know, the women, the women are supposed to be the homemakers and they're supposed to take care of everything and they're supposed to do as the man says, and, you know, and so on and so forth. And it's kind of like one of those things that now, thankfully, we're coming, we've come a lot further than we were just since I was a kid, but it's still not where it should be. It's not a, a, a level playing field still. You know, it's one of them. And I don't understand why society feels the need to break women down like that. Like why it's just not something that I, I understand. Well, it's nice to hear a man say something like that, that you're aware of what it's like for women in the world, because a lot of men are not aware of what it's like. They're like, Oh, we're equal. No, that's not, that's not how it is. <laughs> and you know, it's one of those things that I, I, maybe I was ignorant to it before I started getting into podcasting and, and doing the, doing the research and stuff. And, you know, when you have a, a world set where, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier for me to do this, that, or the other, because I'm a man, you don't realize the struggles that somebody else is going through, you know? And so I, <clears throat> since I've been doing this, I've just, just seeing the stories and hearing, I mean, just hearing other female podcaster stories or seeing them talk about it or listening to their, their trauma. And I'm just like, fuck, man, I had, I had no idea, you know? And now that it's like, it's one of those things that it's now that I've seen it and I I'm aware of it. It's like, I, I, I want to try to help change that, you know? Because it's not fair. You are just as equal as I am. There's nothing that sets us apart other than our anatomy. Why don't you get the same chances that I get? You know what I mean? And that's that's the part that I don't understand. Even simple things like going to your car at night. Those are things that men do not think about and, and probably have never thought about. But that's something women have to think about every day. Every, probably at least 10 times a day, a woman has to think about her surroundings and what's going on 
Or do you have something with you that you can defend yourself with? Do you have something in your hand that you could fight somebody off with? Uh, is the guy who hits on you going to take no for an answer? Is the guy, you know, is he going to stop following you in the store knowing that you're feeling uncomfortable? Like, those are all things that I don't experience. I don't have to worry about that. I don't, I can go out at one o'clock in the morning and not have to worry about anything. Um, you know, so, and it's crazy. Like I don't, and it's always, it, it, what pisses me off the most about it is like when you hear a victim tell her story or their story, whether it be a man or a woman, it's always the victim's fault. It's never, you know, like the, like the girls who dress too seductively and it's like, why not teach your, your boys not to be assholes? Why can't she wear that? She feels comfortable in that and that's what makes her feel good, but she can't wear it because your, your boy or whatever can't keep their hands off of her. Like that's fucked up. Yeah. People need to teach their sons uh, something different. And when women have the guts to come forward and say something, like you said, they'll be like, well, why were you out at night? It's like, you're thinking of this the wrong way. <laughs> right. Like I was, uh, this morning I was watching, um, a TikTok. I've become addicted to TikTok because it's so like just stimulating. But anyways, there was a, there was a story this morning and she, everybody in the comment section is telling her she, she lied to her mom about going out. Okay. So she shouldn't have lied. Get that. But then she ends up getting raped and everybody's like, well, you lied. So right. what did you expect? And it's like, well, wait a second we have all told lies as teenagers. We, everybody lies, not all the time, but everybody tells white lies, tells lies or lied as a kid. Come on. And now that makes it okay. Like get the fuck out of here. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. People always talk bad about the victims, like victim blaming, like somehow it was their fault. And before I started doing podcasting, I even thought really awful things sometimes. And I was just ignorant. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's ignorance. It's that not knowing, you know, the, the whole story. And that's, that's just it. It's not, you don't, you almost don't see the whole picture. You only see, you know what I mean? What's in front of you. And it's, it's a sad, it's a sad reality. And it, it makes me sad that we live in a world that there's a group of people that can't just live their lives. They have to live in constant fear. They have to live in this constant state of flight. I mean, that's really what it is. You're, you're constantly looking over your shoulder, like, fuck, am I going to be attacked? And it's just, it makes me sad. The good thing about podcasting though, is that we can frame the stories the way they should be framed. That's what, that's the problem too, is that the narrative usually is spun in a way that almost makes the victim look bad or looks in a, unflattering light and it's like that doesn't that still doesn't make it okay like it's not it's not okay you know consent matters like getting consent or having consent from two people is important and not you know just take it all because you you feel entitled to it getting back to the the cult thing luckily i was I have to say I was smart enough to leave when I was young. I questioned the religion very, very early 
I remember one time there was a meeting and I raised my hand as a child and I said, I asked a question about whatever they were talking about. I don't remember now. But after the elder, who is like the priest or whatever, came up to my mother and said, if she has a question, then please don't have her bring it up at a meeting. So even at a very early age, they were like, don't question us and certainly don't question us out loud. Well, right. You don't you don't want to give other people ideas. <laughs> right. And I, I left fairly early, but my mother's still in it. She's very devout and she's very fucked up. <laughs> she's a very sick do, you, woman. do you do you uh, have a relationship with her or is that completely something that you've X'd out of your life? No, because if you leave the religion as a Jehovah Witness, you're shunned. Your family members cut you off. So when I left, because when you're involved in a cult, my job was wrapped up in the religion. My friends were wrapped up in the religion. So I lost my job, my friends, my apartment, my mother. So you lose everything. And unfortunately, that forces some people right back into the into a cult. But yeah. That's crazy. Do you, do you, do you hear about her anymore or is it something that is just completely I've actually, I've seen her, I've seen her around and it's like awkward and uncomfortable, but yeah, she's not involved in my life, nor do I want her to be. But when she joined, it's because she was at a weak point in her life. She was in a bad relationship and it was tumultuous and they obviously offered her something that she was not getting. I think they offer people a type of family and that's kind of what Angels Landing did too. Maybe they didn't have the family life they wanted and they obviously got something out of being with a, these group of people. I think it's that sense of belonging. It's almost like people feel like they're outcasts and they they attach themselves, their identity to this idea that they have to have something or somebody in their lives at all times, you know what I mean? Also somebody telling them what to do. I think a lot of people crave that. I think some people want there to be rules. They want someone to say, we're going to live here. We're going to do this. You're going to believe this because then they don't have to think about it. Right. It's kind of like the story of, uh, you've heard about, you know, like prisoners when they're out of prison, they're crazy wilding out, you know, doing all kinds of dumb shit. But as soon as they go back to prison, it's like their night and day difference. Granted, it's a little bit more structured and all that, and it's harder to do shit, but they almost thrive in that environment of rules because it's that structure that they they desire. Right. They're model prisoners in, in prison. <laughs> right. And, of course, they always find Jesus in prison, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's another prison prison reforms a whole nother conversation in itself so but yeah so angels landing i mean this guy was uh, and he had uh, it an accomplice in, in patricia and he ends up you know getting her to commit suicide too like that should have been a red flag to her like wait a second why is it my turn this is i've been around from the beginning almost like a a Bonnie and Clyde, maybe not in the sexual sense, but you know, a Bonnie and Clyde type of thing where they started it pretty much together. And he's like, okay, it's your time to go. And she's like, okay. 
And it's just like, that's crazy. She thought she was going to come back. I yeah, why you, there's always that outlandish claim of oh I can predict this, I can predict that and you can come back and I can bring you back to life and it's like nobody has ever seen anything like that ever before. Why why are you, what makes you capable of it? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Right. And then didn't Patricia's husband also kill himself? Yeah. So he after did. he saw what happened with his wife, you think he would be like, "All right, time to go." Right. But he didn't. And he gave the the cult the life insurance money from Patricia. Oh my god. So he got paid twice from that family. So Brian died because he was under a car, correct? And then the yeah. the jack out in the car fell on him. Mhm. They say he yeah. committed suicide that way. And I'm like, that is one hell of a way to commit suicide. Like, that's next level. That's scary. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to die. You're going to have to kill yourself under a car. Like, I wonder, did, uh, was he told to do it that way? Or is that, was that something he came up with? Like, there has to be, I mean, obviously, there's different ways to kill yourself, but, um, like, that's just crazy. That's a crazy way to think that that's a, a good thing to do. Yeah, it had to look like an accident. Right. Otherwise, how are they going to get paid for it? Did you hear about that story? Um, this guy named Harold Henthorn, he killed his one of his wives by pushing her off a cliff. And then they were looking into his past and he had killed his first wife. The same, he had killed his first wife by basically putting her under the car and he kicked the jack out. And she died in the same way. That that probably doesn't happen a lot in real life. That was uh, that uh, that documentary on Hulu, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I watched that, and that was a crazy story too. Because I'm just like, and he's so like nonchalant that that it's that arrogance that they think, oh, I'm gonna get away with this. I'm smarter than you are. There's no way you're gonna figure out that I'm, you know, that I'm telling you guys lies. Like this is it's that arrogance that it's just it's like bro you're gonna get caught like they're gonna put it together right well i mean lou got away with it because he moved around so many times if that detective hadn't have been on him like that for so many years he probably would have kept doing it how crazy paranoid did he have to be to not touch stuff with his fingers yeah when I was hearing that part, I was like, how is that possible that there were no fingerprints on his dishes, on his silverware? Like, what was he that paranoid? He had to have been that paranoid. Like, you can't not touch stuff. Like, even if you tried not to, you would still touch stuff. Hands down, you couldn't not. Right. There'd be no way. <laughs> so, and, and that's the part that it was like, he he obviously he knew what he was doing he was very methodical in his actions and the way that he went about and conducted himself and it's just sad because there's a lot of people's lives that he affected and there's a lot of trauma that he inflicted that will be dealt with for for a very long time right and then the fact that he tried to open a bank account in someone else's name and that's really what took him down like not the murder not the rapes it was right, not the sexual it was, assault nope it was the bank fraud 
And that's, that's usually what gets people. Like, even if you think back to like the old time mob days, like Al Capone, he didn't get in trouble for killing people. He got in trouble for tax evasion. You know what I mean? And it's like, how is that even possible? Government will always get you. Right. It's like, uh, it's like you get more time for conspiracy charges than you do for actually committing the crime. And it's like, that's a little unbalanced. And luckily, Sarah did her part in court because without her, you know, he probably would be out right now. So it was like a lot of things coming together to. Oh, yeah, it was a perfect storm to get him caught up. And he absolutely, in my opinion, like, I don't know what your opinion on the death penalty is, but there's like certain cases that I feel warrant it. Like there's not, you know, yeah, he didn't kill people. But he, I mean, he molested a lot of people and he, he abused a lot of people and he's not going to change. In fact, when they kept getting older, he kept bringing in younger ones. And it's like you, at some point, you just have to say, you know what, you're not, you don't, des you just don't deserve to be alive. Now we have to pay for him until he dies. And it's just, I don't know, it's crazy to me. Well, at least he won't be out of prison. He's going to die there. At least he won't be hurting anybody. True. And I'm sure if somebody in the prison get a hold of him that knows what he's done, I'm sure they're going to take care of it themselves. Right. It's just really shocking because I saw that seven or six people died within seven years. Like how many other people died because of him? Right. How many people did he not have insurance policies on that he killed because maybe they stepped out of line or said something, you know, that crossed him wrong, you know, because that's the other thing. It's that power dynamic. They cult leaders love to have that power. He was also greedy. And very, very greedy. Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts on on Angel's Landing? I will say this. Don't put your faith into one person so blindly, please. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast again, where they can find you at, how they can get a hold of you, all that good stuff. I'm on Twitter at MurderificBPC. I'm also on Instagram at MurderificPodcast. You can reach me at MurderificPodcast at gmail.com or www.murderific.com. Com. Now, before we go, I have one question to ask you. Would you mind answering before we go? Sure. If you could be one sandwich condiment, what would you be and why? Oh, my God. French dressing. Why? Because Rubens. <laughs> because Rubens. You know what? I do like a good Ruben. So <laughs> I can, I guess I approve of this. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> No, thanks for coming on, Bernadette. I appreciate it. Uh, I wish you all the success with you and your podcast, and uh, I hope we can do it again. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, you never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room.